This is Yolanda Robbins, your host of the Parish Property Chronicles. In this episode of the Parish Property Chronicles, my special guest is Tanisha Townsend, the Chief Wine Officer of Girl Meets Glass and podcast hostess of the Wine School Dropout. Tanisha left behind her life in Chicago and a career in computer forensics and reinvented herself as a wine and spirits ambassador. Let's hear how Paris inspired Tanisha to turn her wine tasting hobby into a passion she now shares with an international audience, one glass at a time. Tanisha, I want to thank you today for joining us on the Paris Property Chronicles. Paris is back in lockdown. I can't believe it. Can you? Uh, I cannot. No, I cannot. I'm saying I'm, I'm in shock just even saying the words. But but it is lockdown light, I would have to say. Would you agree? Very light. Yeah, very light. It's, it's slightly disturbing how light it is, but okay. Well, we'll see. You are the chief wine officer of Girl Meets Glass, a wine and lifestyle agency based in, in Paris. You've been featured in Essence Magazine, France 24, but before we move find out a little bit more about Girl Meets Glass and your endeavors. Can you tell us where you were born in the U.S.? Yes, I was born in Chicago. So I'm from Chicago, Illinois, the South Side. And before relocating to France, what was your professional background? My professional background was actually uh, information technology. So I have a bachelor's degree in computer science and I have a master's degree in computer forensics. So I was working in computer security computer programming and security auditing and security planning and things like that. And then got into wine, as one does. As one does. That's a leap. IT or a computer forensics to wine. Tell us what eventually brought you to France and when. I came to France to teach for a semester at a business school. I had a colleague who couldn't do her classes that semester, and she asked that I want to do it. And she was like, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm in Paris. And I'm like, uh, yeah, let's do it. And that was in 2014, February 2014. I came to teach for the semester and um, yeah, loved it. I was like, well, I'm not leaving. OK, so you came to teach and you stayed. But how did you develop a passion for all things that are wine and spirits? The passion came Shortly after I got into wine, and by got into meaning drinking it and learning more about it, it was something that was fun for me. It started as a hobby, doing wine tastings, and I was working with a wine marketing company in Washington, D.C., and uh, I would, you know, when you go to stores and they they have the samples out, and they're like, hi, would you like to try some cheese? Would you like to try this saucisson? It would be me, but I had wine. And as I started doing that more... I got comfortable with it. I enjoyed it and I was good at it. So the passion developed there. Then once I started being able to travel and go to different wine regions, I'm like, this is fascinating. Then I was able to come to Paris and teach a course here. Then I was like, I love it. And then I was able to move here. And so now that passion has turned into a full on career. Yeah, that's just kind of how it kind of blossomed. It's something I really enjoy and that I'm good at. And I never got that same feeling from computer science, computer forensics. But wine, like, I really enjoy it. I really love what I'm able to do. Wow. It's really fortunate that you found something that feeds your passion. 
and also that you like to do as a profession, which doesn't always happen for most people. Can you tell us what certifications are required for you to be a wine expert? Honestly, there aren't any that are necessarily required to do what I do, but I do have some. Now, depending on what you want to do and why, there are various certifications, various levels of them. I have, um, I'm a French wine scholar. I am a certified specialist of wine and certified specialist of spirits with the Society of Wine Educators. I have level two and level three of the WSET, which is the Wine and Spirits Education Trust. But uh, I have those and those are a good start. A lot of people, when they start, they do the WSET courses. So if you are just have, you know, even a general interest in wine and are trying to figure out what you want to do, which way you want to go, I suggest starting with the first level of WSET and then going from there because that gives you a very good overall view of um, wine. If you want to go deeper, then, you know, you can get the diploma. You can go the sommelier route and take courses and certifications with the Court of Sommelier and become um, certified, advanced, and then a master sommelier. But there are many, many ways you can go with it. You can get specific with different wine regions and become a Spanish wine scholar. You can do different French wine regions. There's an Italian wine academy if you want to be very specific with your knowledge of Italian wines. So it all depends on what you want to do and what you want to know. Okay. It all depends on how you want to reinvent yourself and what your focus is, if, if I understand correctly. Okay, Absolutely. great. So let's let's spend some time on property and we'll get back to wine in a second. Mm-hmm. And since we're spending a lot of time in our, our apartments or properties at the moment because of the lockdown in Paris, where do you live in Paris? I'm in the 10th arrondissement uh, near the canal, Canal Saint-Martin. Can you tell us a little bit about the neighborhood? I, is this where you lived when you first moved to Paris or? Oh, oh this is like my sixth place. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's hear that story. <laughs> I've lived in so many places, but this place, finally, this is somewhere that I could actually see myself living for a while, you know, until I need to share my life with someone, then, you know, I would need to be somewhere else. But now, like, I like it here. I love the neighborhood. It's so vibrant around the canal. One, I like being by water and being able to walk to the canal and walk around the canal every day is fantastic for me, especially during confinement, me being able to get out. And that was within my one kilometer. So I was able to do that. A lot of restaurants, a lot of bars, just a lot of people, a lot of shops around the area. I'm starting now to get to know where to go for certain things like, okay, go to this green grocer. Um, this fishmonger is the good one. This other one is kind of good, but he's more expensive. Um, I go to the market on Wednesdays and Saturdays. And yeah, I like the neighborhood a lot. What is the market that you go to on Wednesdays and Saturdays in your neighborhood? It is on Boulevard de, uh, de la Villette. So close to Colonel Fabian Metro. Okay. So you're in your apartment now in the Canal Saint-Martin, but can you tell us some of the other neighborhoods that you lived in before? I've literally lived all over. Uh, So my first actual, my own apartment was in Saint-Michel, and it was a little tiny Chambre de Bonne on the fifth floor. Of course, there was no elevator. Um, (laughs) And it was uh, 11 meters squared was the size of that first apartment. But I was so happy to have that apartment because I had gone through so much to get an apartment. It all worked out because I got that apartment and was excited, which is weird because compared to how I lived in the States, which how people live in the States, like nobody lives anything that small as a full grown adult. 
Now, I'm from the U.S. I know exactly what you mean. You really have to adjust your perception yes. of space when you Absolutely. come to Paris. <laughs> yeah, my um, I had a condo that I was living in before I moved here. It was three bedroom, two and a half bathrooms. And it was, you know, two levels. And I had a garage. But then I come here and I'm happy about 11 meters squared. So that goes to show you how you need to make adjustments when you live in Paris. So first one's in Saint-Michel. Great starter apartment because of the neighborhood. It was over there by, um, across from the fountain and behind the Gibergeon. Mm-hmm. So where all the, you know, all those cute little streets and a lot of college students hang out there, bars and things like that. So that was fun. Could walk to Notre Dame in like three minutes. And then from there, I moved to the 17th in the Batignolles area. Super cute area as well. I was able to upgrade my life and get a bigger apartment. A neighborhood that I didn't know that much about before I moved there and was even kind of hesitant to move there. This apartment became available because um, a girl was subleasing it because she wanted to go away for a while. So get there, see the place, walk around the neighborhood. I'm like, oh, this is cute. Uh, A lot of markets and shopping. It's an organic bio market around there. So that was very nice. I said, okay, let's take the apartment. So I lived there for a while. And then when she came back, then I had to move, which worked out because it was right before we went into confinement. And so then I got this place that I'm in now. And so here we are. So your path led you to the 10th near Canasa Matan. Can you just describe your apartment a little bit for us? And are you a renter or do you own it? I'm a renter. So my apartment, uh, it is one of the kind with, you know, kitchen, living rooms all together. But it's a nice size kitchen. Um, and then it's room in here for a table with two chairs. I have a couch um, here. I'm looking around it as I describe it. I have a couch <laughs> I'm still working on decorating it because, again, I haven't been here that long. It's just been a year. And uh, during confinement times, I mean, you know, things were closed. I couldn't go around and get the other things that I wanted. And, and we honestly like to use our outings for things that we enjoy doing, not necessarily <laughs> outfitting uh, the apartment. Because at, right. last year, the, the outings were so limited. They're diff- it's different now, but yes. but still. So I understand perfectly. And since I've been in here for a while, I have an idea of what I want. Like, I know I want some shelving um, over in the kitchen because in the kitchen now it's just one cabinet. And I'm like, you know, my set of glassware is more than just a cabinet. So I need some more um, shelves. So I want to put some shelves up. I want to put pictures on the wall. There's nothing on any of the walls. They're solid white. My bedroom, I love the bedroom. The bedroom is actually bigger than the living room kitchen. And so I have my desk in there, bed, bookcase. There is a marble fireplace with a gold frame mirror. And then I also have a little space on the side for a small table and a chair. And I sit in to chill, do Instagram lives, drink wine, and just relax, but not being in the bed um, or not when I want to sit on the couch. It sounds lovely. When did you launch Girl Meets Glass, your company? And can you describe the organization and your activities? So Girl Meets Glass was actually just started when I was in the States and it was just a a blog. It was just where I wrote down notes. But then when I came to France and saw what I could do with it, because when people found out what I did, which was to them was just like, oh, she does wine. I thought it could be something more than that. And uh, people would ask questions about wine and want me to meet them at wine shops and help them pick out certain wines or they want me to come meet them at a wine bar and go through the list and tell them what to order. 
And so I thought, okay, maybe I could, you know, other people want this information. So maybe I could do a tour or something like that. So that's how the tour part started. Um, And then that got bigger and bigger, got more known. And then I started doing social media, of course, because I was in Paris and people at home wanted to know what I was doing, wanted to see what I was doing. So that's how my social media accounts started to grow. And then we've done a little bit of YouTube. We moved into podcasting as I felt like I had all this information and I needed to put it somewhere, share it with someone. And then we went into COVID and there are no bars and restaurants open. So now no more food and wine tours throughout the city. I came up with the guide. So that's when I developed the 75 and the 75, the guide with the 75 wine bars that I visited. And so that's available on the website. But then I'm like, I need to do something else still because then the bar is closed again. And so people can't go to those bars. So I started doing virtual tastings. Okay. So that's how your your business transformed because of the, the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Okay. So because it, I, I presume before it relied very heavily on tourism. So can you tell us a little bit about uh, before and after? Yeah, so it did rely solely on tourism. And people would find me either through my website, through word of mouth, or on TripAdvisor. And then afterwards, people contacted me like, hey, is there anything that you're doing or how can we support you? And I would see a lot of virtual tastings just like in the industry of different wine shops and different organizations that would do virtual tastings. But I didn't think that would be something that people were really interested in on a personal level. But then people started asking for them. They're like, well, we can't go out and I want to do something for my friend's birthday. How about you tell me what wine to buy? You know, we do a Zoom and then you talk to us about it. So I did that for a couple of friends and I was like, oh, this is something that I can do. So I've done that for people, birthday parties, Valentine's Day, I've done it for conferences. It's like a breakout session or um, a networking kind of thing. Yeah, it's something now that is kind of a thing. And I I don't even think it'll stop, even though the world seems to be opening back up and people may be starting to do things in person. People like the access they have to everything. So I think they'll still be doing a lot of things online. So I don't think that'll stop. You talked about the the, uh, guide that you published, 75 and 75, Mm -hmm. which stands for 75 Wine Bars in the zip code 75, which is Paris. And I've been to a few since you published it. But can you just share with our listeners several spots that you like in the French capital? Yes. One of my top spots is uh, in the, I think it's the sixth, Freddy's Wine Bar. I love that place. It just has such a good vibe. It was always so warm and inviting. They have, uh, when you walk in, it's a long bar in the front. And then they have I can't even call it a kitchen, but it's like open and they have grills and, you know, everything, the kitchen part. And then they have they have like high chairs around the kitchen and they have an amazing selection by the glass of wine, small plates and things like that. So I love it there. Um, in the ninth, uh, Chai Parisienne, I love that bar as well. They actually have a few wines that they produce themselves. They have a sparkling that I really like. And they also have a cognac that they make. And so that's always nice at the end of my wine drinking for that evening. Uh, If I'm not drinking there, I will go there and then have a cognac at the end. Um, Another spot I really like is La Cave des Abbesses in the 18th up in Montmartre. And I like that place because when you first walk in, you think it's just a wine shop. 
And I probably shouldn't be giving you all like my secret place, but here we yeah, go. Yeah, you can stop there, Abbott, after you tell us about the <laughs> Because we want people to actually get the, right. the guide, no, which is great. the last one. Yeah, but that place, it's a wine shop in the front. But then if you walk back, it's a little um, sit-down bar kind of area in the back. And you can order cheese, charcuterie, you can get a glass of wine, a bottle of wine. In leaving the capital, do you have a favorite French wine region or a wine preference? Oh, yeah. Everyone knows that I love Southern Rhone. Southern Rhone, Languedoc, anything with Grenache, uh, Grenache heavy blend, a red wine with a Grenache heavy blend. I love it. Mm, yeah. I'm trying okay. to get out of that, not out of it completely because I love it. It's delicious. But there are like a trillion other wines. So I should, you know, mix it up a bit. It's spring and summer's coming up. So I'll move into some whites and some rosés. So besides being a wine expert and guide, you're also a professor, if I remember correctly. You I teach am, wine. yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Where do you teach? I teach at INSEC, I-N-S-E-E-C. And then I also teach a study abroad program for C-I-E-E, which actually starts soon. So I'll be back in the classroom. Okay. And you're teaching about wine and what, what are you teaching about specifically? Mm-hmm. So for INSEC, they're French students, but I'm teaching them in English. It's different topics each semester, depending on the students and what they want to learn. Like, I'm not going to be speaking to French students about French wine. So we talk about marketing, social, it's very heavy on social media, uh, distribution. We talk about different careers in wine, because a lot of people, they think about wine and they just think, okay, well, you can be a sommelier or you can sell wine or you can make wine. Yes, you can do those things, but there are also hundreds of other things that you can do in the wine industry that isn't just your hands on the grapes. For the study abroad students, I give them an overview of French wine. We talk about French wine specifically. Then we will talk a little bit about marketing um, and social media. We talk about wine technology, wine laws and regulations. We'll, of course, talk about tasting. I have them watch a couple of movies and we talk about that. Uh, The thing for them is, since they are usually here, usually before COVID times, they are actually in the city. They really want to get to know French wine, since that's such a big part of French culture. That's why the class exists. And so want them to taste the wine, want them to understand kind of the culture behind it, a bit of the history. So that class is fun to teach because they're so, um, they're just so excited to be in Paris, be in France and learning. Molding young minds, one glass at a time. Okay. One glass at a time, yes. (laughs) You also have your own podcast, which is called Wine School Dropout. That's correct, That is it. That is correct, yes. Because I'm a listener, and and the first season was fantastic. It taught me a lot about wine and wine pairings. And the second season, you focused on producers of color. But can you just describe a little bit about the the podcast? Yes. Wine School Dropout came about because... um, People still had so many questions about wine and what it was about and what there was to it. And they didn't understand it. And I'm like, after all this time, like there has to be some kind of different way to present this information. And uh, I wanted something in small portions where people can listen to the podcast, take the information they learn and right away go use it. So if say someone listens to the wine language episode, they'll listen to that episode. They know some words that they can use to go to their caviste or go in their wine shop or go to a restaurant. 
specifically say, oh, I'm looking for a red wine. I kind of like fruit, but not too much oak. Okay, that gives the person something to work with as opposed to going in just saying, um, uh, I'm looking for a red wine and then being disappointed when they give you something and you don't know and you won't like it. So you listen to that episode, you can get some language, go into your shop or your restaurant, use that, hopefully get a wine that you like and that you want and want to buy again. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest things. People are still really confused by the language. They don't um, understand how to read the labels. They don't know what vintage means. They're like, okay, well, if I get this one from 2010, this is better than this one from 2018, right? If it's red, maybe. If it's a rosé, absolutely not. Those don't age. So you should have drank that years ago. You definitely want 2018 for that. I remember in listening to one episode, you gave me the idea to, because we, you know, we all have access to technology, we can do, do applications or whatever. If you're with friends and you're out dining and, and there's a wine that you like, take a photo of it. So you remember what you paired it with and, and how the experience was. In France, there's always a convivial experience surrounding wine. Do you feel it's the same in the U.S. or in other countries? I don't feel it's the same in the U.S. I think it is starting to get there. I think, though, here, what I will say in France is, since a lot of people grew up with wine and know wine and know what they like, they're just drinking, having a good time. It's not this whole discussion about the wine. It's not how good it is and where we got it from and the story behind it. It's just we're having a good time. We're with friends or family and we're drinking. Whereas in the States, I don't feel like it's that same kind of thing. I feel like people, they want to discuss the wine. It's like, oh, I got it from here when I was traveling here and doing this. I feel like it's more of a bragging right. And I think that's why some people are nervous to bring wine certain places or to get into wine because they're like, they don't have those backstories. They don't have that kind of information to go along with it. They're like, I just came here to drink a glass and talk to my friends. Like, I don't have to have this whole conversation behind it. And so I think that's the difference there. I think in Spain, they have that same kind of conviviality and that same happy, friendly atmosphere around wine. That's really good advice and also very true. When you relocated to France, to Paris, did you speak French? I did not. No. I mean, I had a, you know, I had a bonjour for you and a merci. Merci. Like, I had that, but... Has your French improved? And if so, what what are you doing about that to improve it? The French has definitely improved uh, because I kept putting myself in uncomfortable situations, which was life. And a lot of the winemakers, a lot of producers just speak French or they're much more comfortable speaking French. So I'm like, in order for me to really be effective and taking seriously, I have to get serious with my French. I took classes when I first got here because I actually first came over as a student taking language classes. So that got me to a certain level. But then once we started confinement, I was like, okay, Tanisha, now's the time. You have no excuses. You kept saying, oh, you don't have time. You don't want to do this. So a class became um, available, a class I heard about. So I jumped in, took that, and was doing French classes for the first part of confinement every day. And then we moved it to three times a week. And so now I'm at two times a week where I'm doing French classes, doing homework, listening to podcasts in French, watching movies in French. My my French language skills have grown by leaps and bounds. And it also just gave me more confidence because that was a big part of it. Even when I was first able to say a few words and string a sentence together, 
I wasn't confident because I know how articulate I am in English. I know how well-spoken I am and how I can get sentences out and put thoughts together. But in French, I sounded like a three-year-old child. And that was very hard for me to, because people are like, no, just try. You know, you can't feel bad being embarrassed or anything like that. I'm like, yeah, you say that, but I do. I do feel weird sounding like a three-year-old because I'm a full-grown adult. And I would like to say words and sound like an adult. And also for me, the opportunity to speak French would be in these business or professional settings. And as a wine professional, going in for the first time, being an American, being a woman, being Black, I'm like, I can't go in here and sound like a child. So Good for you. Um, I have to, I'll start with French and then we'll see where it goes from there. And what happened is once I got confident enough and could go in and start with French, you know, bonjour, je vous ai goûté le, le vin rouge, peut-être le vin de Vallée du Rhône. Bravo, okay, huh? now that I can say that, then they're like, oh, American? Okay. And then they speak to me in English. So I'm like, this whole time I've been quiet, acting like a mute because I was too scared to speak. And now they're speaking to me in English. They find it charming that, number one, that you're making an effort and Every time that you go see them, especially, I presume, the small producers, that you've become more and more à l'aise or at ease with speaking French. Are there some small wine producers that you can orient us towards that you might like? Sure. Um, I love Domaine Saint-Amont. And um, again, we're in the Southern Rome. Um, and it is the, it's a woman winemaker. There is Domaine Lustal Blanc, also in the Rhone. And a woman winemaker, and she's actually black. So um, I love those wines by her. Uh, champagne, because I know you love champagne. I uh, do. Le, Le Gras H A A S in Chouy, Grand Cru Champagne. Their champagnes are fantastic. I actually used to do tours to them and take people over to their facility to taste wine. And their champagnes are absolutely amazing. Thank you. Tanisha, where can our listeners find you, follow you, and learn everything that there is to know about Girl Meets Glass? Sure. I am all over the social medias and internets at Girl Meets Glass. And the podcast is Wine School Dropout, and that is found wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Tanisha, thank you again so much for joining us today and sharing a glass with us here on the Paris Property Chronicles. And I hope uh, that I'll see you on the other side when we're able to have a glass together in person. Fingers crossed it is soon. Alrighty. Cheers. Have a great day. Thank you so much. Cheers. Tanisha has been featured on many media outlets, including Essence Magazine and on France 24 Television. She has recently been named the 2021 Wine Ambassador for the prestigious Simone Awards. For more information on Tanisha, her virtual tastings and tours, the 75 and the 75 Wine Guide, or to listen to her podcast, The Wine School Dropout, please visit her website at www.girlmeetsglass.com. I'm Yolanda Robbins. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Paris Property Chronicles. Property tailored for you.